I'm so excited to announce that First Line is now available on Apple Podcasts. And this is in addition to being available on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. I feel like I didn't know the process of going through medical school and rotations and residency until I was in the middle of it. I'm still trying to figure out as a third year what I'm going to be expected to do as a fourth year. And then my family and friends ask me about what I'm doing and what I'm doing in the future and I barely know myself. So I think it's really helpful to take some time, devote a whole episode to just walking through the whole journey from pre-med to residency. Thank you for joining again this week on First Line. Hello, my lovely listeners. I do have kind of a draft for an episode about my advice for high school students and pre-meds and trying to figure out if being a doctor is right for you. But before I release that episode, this is one that I wanted to take some time to kind of focus on the big picture here because after visiting some family members recently, I learned that many of my family members and friends do not realize what being in medical school entails. They don't understand what rotations are versus intern year versus residency and fellowship and when am I considered a doctor and when am I considered a student and when do I actually get to practice medicine? How many years does it take? They also really don't know what I have been through as far as the breakdown of medical school with preclinical versus clinical years and there's a ton of terminology that they don't understand. So this episode I hope will clear up some of that. This is good for anyone looking to go into this field. It's good for family members and friends of people who are in the medical field. And I know I have a lot of med students that do listen to this podcast. This is a really good episode to send along to your friends and family that don't really understand. My disclaimer for this episode is that it would be really hard to speak for all of the programs in the country with different medical schools. What I share applies to most schools, but I cannot speak directly about individual schools that might have varied requirements for admission and requirements for graduation. I'm speaking very generally here and there's always going to be exceptions. So let's start at the very beginning. Those in med school, whether it's DO or MD, we all have completed a four-year undergraduate degree and received a bachelor's degree. Some of us may have spent the first year or two in a community college and then transferred to a four-year program. Some of us started right away in a four-year program, but we eventually get that bachelor's degree which is what is required to apply to medical schools. 
many of us, including myself, take a gap year, maybe two, maybe more. Maybe we entered a career and then decided to go back to school. If we decided to go back to school, you have to complete some pre-med requirements. Basically, you have to do biology, chemistry, physics, and math. You have to sometimes have additional courses depending on what schools you're applying to. And if you did do the non-traditional route, you could have gotten your undergrad in, let's say, history and didn't necessarily get all your biology and chemistry courses in. So a lot of times the non-traditional route, if you didn't know that you were pre-med when you were an undergrad, sometimes you have to go back to school at an undergrad level and complete those additional courses in order to make yourself a candidate for medical school. Four years of undergrad, assuming that we completed the correct course requirements, many people in college are pre-med, but sometimes you could just be a straight up biology major and not really have that distinction, and you still have all the prereqs you need in order to apply. So next, medical school. Most medical schools, and I'm including my own here, which kind of goes along with what is typically done. The first two years is what is referred to as preclinical. So this is very similar to undergrad because it's mostly lecture-based. I know a few schools have a little bit different types of learning, like they might have case-based learning where you learn more in a discussion style. You talk about cases with other classmates and a faculty member overseeing this conversation and you talk through cases as a way to learn. I have seen some schools do more of an independent learning model where you get to stay at home most of the days and teach yourself and use the textbook to guide you and really be self-directed in that. Many schools split it up so that the first year is anatomy and physiology, so how things are supposed to operate in the human body, and then the second year is reserved for the pathology or everything that can go wrong in the body. So it sets a foundation, you go through each of the organ systems basically in the first year, and then you go through the organ systems all over again in the second year, but with added information. We also have labs while we're in our first two years. Usually the first year has anatomy lab, and both years will have some sort of lab for clinical skills where you learn how to do the physical exam you know, when the doctor listens to your heart, listens to your lungs, looks in your ears, looks in your nose and your mouth, looks at your eyes, assesses your reflexes, and all of that stuff. If you go to a DO school, osteopathic medical school, you will also have OMM lab the first two years as well. And that's when you learn hands-on techniques with manipulation and OMM stands for Osteopathic Manipulative Medicine. Also, some places call it OMT, which stands for Osteopathic Manipulative Treatment. Both are usually used 
interchangeably. Sometimes OMM has a little bit of a broader meaning, whereas OMT refers more to the technique specifically. For more information on what makes osteopathic schools different from allopathic schools, and to learn a little bit more about OMM and OMT, please listen to my previous episode entitled Osteopathic Medicine. The third and fourth year of medical school is when you do your clinicals. This is also referred to as rotations, and this is where I am right now. I'm in my third year. And the third year, you usually have one hospital system that you rotate through. A lot of medical schools have either their own hospital or they use the hospital that's in town. Many schools, including my own, send students elsewhere to other hospitals which could be in the same state or could be in a different state. And during third year, you have what is called core rotations, which means that typically you will have one month blocks in a different department of the hospital where you will have a preceptor that you will learn from. For example, I am currently in my psychiatry rotation, so I'm working with a psychiatrist for the whole month of August. And next month, I'm going to do family medicine, and I will work with a family medicine physician. How most schools do it is that they will have psychiatry and family medicine, like I said. They will also have internal medicine. A lot of times, they'll have two months of internal medicine just because there's so much to learn. And then there is also obstetrics and gynecology, also referred to as OBGYN. And then there is surgery. And then there is pediatrics. Some schools will also have a month of neurology or emergency medicine. In the case of DO schools, at least my school has an OMM rotation as well, where we return back to the school and help teach first and second years OMM as table trainers. In fourth year, this is when med students are starting to think about, or hopefully they have already started, but they really kind of solidify what type of specialty they want to go into, and they get to plan out their fourth year rotations around that. So most of the time, fourth year rotations will be at the same site that you rotated in during third year. But now they are considered electives, which can include things like dermatology, like cardiology, urology, gastroenterology, radiology, extra things that you didn't really get to see third year. Not necessarily what you want to go into, but something that you want to learn more about and that you think you would benefit from before you go into residency, which is the next step. Fourth year is also the time that you do something called audition rotations. This is similar to an away rotation. And what this means is that med students usually apply online to visit another hospital for two weeks to a month at a time typically to do a rotation there and usually they will choose hospitals or clinics that they would want to do residency in and this is why it's an audition 
they're basically doing a two-week to one-month-long interview with them because that hospital and those doctors that work there are getting to know the student by having them work at the hospital during a rotation and get to know them along the way and get to see their work ethic. And so it's really on-the-job interviewing, which is very unique to becoming a doctor and doing clinicals. Many students do about two to three auditions during the year. A lot of people do more and some people only do one, but it really is used as a way to show a hospital or a clinic that you are interested in them and that you want to showcase your abilities and hopefully they will extend an interview when you apply to their residency program. During third and fourth year rotations, you are basically working at the hospital. A lot of rotations will, and this depends on the preceptor too, will have you shadow most of the time, while others will have you see patients alongside them, and still others will have you see patients almost by yourself, but then, of course, following up with that physician because it's still a learning process. And a lot of preceptors do a mix of all of them. Like I said, in first and second year, we have a lot of labs that teach us these skills. So we do know how to do them and we do actually practice with actors that pretend to be patients. So this is something we have been trained to do and we are ready and prepared to do during rotations. During third and fourth year, we are working in a hospital. We wear badges as if we are employees. However, we are not getting paid. We are actually paying tuition still. During the fourth year, that is when students are applying to residencies. And then similarly, in the third year, that is when students are applying to audition rotations for their fourth year. So fourth year is really a crazy time because you're probably traveling a lot, whether it's for audition rotations or for interviews. Usually those get started pretty early in the year and the match is in the spring of the fourth year. The number of residencies that students apply to depends on their board scores, their class rank or GPA, and the amount of additional experiences they have on their resume, such as leadership experience, membership in professional organizations, and research. I'm just going to take a second to back up a little bit and talk about the different tests that we need to take. So the MCAT, which stands for Medical College Admission Test, is the test that undergrad students take in order to get into medical school. Most schools require an MCAT score. When you are in medical school, DO students who will become doctors of osteopathic medicine take the COMLEX, which stands for Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical Licensing Examination. And DO students at the end of their second year take COMLEX level one. Students pursuing an MD who will become doctors of medicine take the USMLE, which stands for United States Medical Licensing Examination. And at the end of your second year, you take step one of the USMLE. Some DO students opt to also take USMLE in order to apply to residencies more broadly because 
some residencies, and this has really decreased over the last few years, but some residencies still prefer to see DO students also take the MD student exam so that they can more easily compare applicants. One that is very noteworthy is emergency medicine. There are other fields as well. I personally did decide to take the USMLE because even if one program I was interested in preferred to have me have a score instead of not have a score, I think it was worth it. DO students learn the same things and actually more than MD students. The emphasis is on a little bit of different subjects. Like the USMLE has a little bit more biochemistry. So step one and level one are taken at the end of year two. There is never really an instance where an MD student would ever take Comlex any of the levels because they don't know OMM and they don't know our philosophy and our what we learn that is very unique. So it works with DOs taking the USMLE, but it doesn't work the opposite way with MDs taking the Comlex. So at the end of the third year, that is when students take either step two or level two, depending on if it's USMLE or the Comlex. Level three is taken when you're in residency. So residencies are applied to in the fourth year and they are started after graduating. So at the end of the four years, the two preclinical years and the two clinical years, that is when you are considered a DO or an MD. After that is your residency and that is what the match is for. And the match is just what is used for deciding where students go for residency. You apply to it during your fourth year and basically everywhere that you have been offered an interview, after the interview, you would provide a rank list of where you specifically want to go. And these residencies are also ranking you and other applicants for who they want for their program. And the match is just what is used to sort out the rank list so that there is a mutual agreement that you would be a good fit for the program and that is where you go to residency and so it has to be kind of this this mutual selection residency lengths differ depending on what specialty you're in family medicine is a three-year program and I'm not going to list all of the different lengths for you but to include a few of them general surgery is five years long internal medicine is three years long neurosurgery is seven years long pathology is four years plastic surgery is six years and psychiatry is four years and then additionally a fellowship is an option after you finish residency. For family medicine, you can do a fellowship in things like sports medicine, geriatrics, obstetrics, and if you do anesthesiology, you can do a fellowship in pain medicine. If you're a general surgeon, you could do a fellowship in abdominal transplants. If you are in orthopedic surgeon you could do a fellowship in hand surgery 
And I think the one that really trips people up is internal medicine. So internal medicine is a term used for hospital medicine to kind of simplify it. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to practice in a hospital, but it's kind of adult general care. And usually they do work in a hospital. There is internists that can work primary care and work in a clinic. They do not take care of children like family medicine physicians can, and they cannot deliver babies like family medicine docs can. And internal medicine, they're again usually in the hospital, taking care of patients, seeing all kinds of patients in the hospital. That residency, a lot of people do that residency and then want to do a fellowship after that. And that's how you get your cardiologist, your gastroenterologist, your rheumatologist, your pulmonologist, and very different specialties like that. And so these are specialties that are through fellowship programs, so you can't directly match in residency as a fourth year student for, let's say, rheumatology. So it's something that you would have to do internal medicine residency first, and then you would apply to a rheumatology fellowship. And you can think about this if an internal medicine program is three years long, your number of years of training can go up substantially, especially if you're doing a few years of fellowship afterwards. And of course, the years of Fellowship vary depending on the specialty. Most internal medicine subspecialties take another two years of training in addition to the three years of internal medicine. And these include rheumatology, pulmonology, nephrology, oncology, infectious disease, hematology, endocrinology, and immunology or allergy medicine. A notable exception is that gastroenterology usually takes three years. So let's add this up. So you got your four years of undergrad, your four years of medical school, and then at the least three years of residency. So that equals 11 years, and this is all after high school, and that's what it takes to be a doctor, whether it's DO or MD, and that is the minimum. So here is people you might meet at the hospital. There may be volunteers, there may be students shadowing, that could be high school students, they could be pre-meds, and this is purely shadowing. Then you might have medical students rotating through that do a little bit more than shadowing, and these are third or fourth year medical students. Then you have the interns, which basically means a doctor, so they have the degree they graduated, but they are in their first year of residency, so they are very inexperienced. They only have the experience that they had looking at the books during their preclinical years and then any experience that they have in their third and fourth year of rotating. After interns, there's the residents, could be the second year, the third year, the fourth year, depending on how long their residency program is. Then you might have a chief resident, which could mean someone that received that promotion during their last year residency, or it could mean someone who finished their residency but extended a year in order to have more of a teaching role. 
And it's often the kind of hierarchy of the chief resident teaching the residents and then the residents teach the interns and the interns teach the medical students. So who is above the chief resident? Well, that is what is called an attending physician and that really just means a full-blown physician who completed their residencies. They are usually kind of overseeing everything and working a lot with fellows, if there are any fellows. Fellows are their past residency, they already completed their residency, and now they're getting additional training. Of note is that during residency, you're not paying tuition anymore because you graduated, you have your degree, you have the doctor title. You actually do get paid. They get either in the 50s or the 60s thousand dollars a year during residency. So after residency, after fellowship, you can go into practice. A lot of people might finish residency and go into practice, but then later on feel like they want to go back and get a fellowship. And that is a tough choice to make too, because fellows of fellowships usually make similar to a resident salary. So that means that you're taking a very large pay cut, but you're getting additional education that might increase your pay in the long run. So I hope this discussion was helpful to you. Don't forget to follow on Instagram at First Line Podcast and hit me with those DMs for your comments, suggestions, questions, and feedback. Until next Monday, thanks for listening.